Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest vox casting either side of the breach. On today's episode, we continue the story of Asami Tanaka and the wraith walker Yan Lo. Together, they find themselves facing a being of unimaginable power. I hope you enjoy the conclusion of As Above, So Below. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by Bob's House of Exorcism. Are you plagued by demons, possessed by restless ghosts? Come on down to Bob's House of Exorcism and say goodbye to those spirits once and for all. Remember to bring a holy book, a bell, a vial of clear water, two vials of blood, a bag full of silver and the names of anyone you might have wronged in this life or any other. a carnivorous parasite had embedded itself inside Asami. Its barbed mandibles latched to the inside of her skull, tearing away at her brain with relentless abandon. She had not felt this shattered since the fateful night in Kamakura when Titus had plunged his blade into her womb and changed her life forever. Asami's nerves were so frayed that she could hardly breathe, let alone cry out in anguish. She nearly forgot where and who she was, and she struggled with all her will to stay conscious. But the voice she had heard from before, the one that had contrasted against the demonic laugh, was like an anchor. She concentrated on its humanity, and she somehow understood that as much as she was suffering, she was not alone with Aminjaku and the new monstrosity she had helped him summon. Her breathing slowed, and although the agony was still unbearable, she could still sense beyond it, blind, curled up and broken as she was. The voices, both the old man's and the demon's, rang around her in a whirl of chaos, and she was only able to pick out bits and pieces of their shouting. But she heard one name that almost caused her to stop writhing. Yan Lo. Could it be? He didn't exist, of course. The pain was truly driving her mad. She had misheard. The Wraithwalker was just a myth. After a few moments that felt more like centuries, she heard her own name. What did you promise this Asami? the demonic voice asked. She was so detached that the syllables felt foreign to her. A child, she heard Amanjeko answer with a squeaky, malicious chuckle. Preposterous. I suppose you never planned to deliver. You always were a perfidious little beast. Immediately, the pain that had engulfed Asami seemed to dissipate. It was nothing compared to the crippling, stifling emptiness that filled her inside like a numbing toxin. She had been played. All those whom she had killed over the past months in her righteous quest to bring just one more life into the world it was just a fiction, after all. 
Kita, the five charm warders, and countless others who died for her precious child. They had perished for naught. There was nothing left inside her but harrowing rage. Her eyes flickered open. It took Azami but a fraction of a second to process her surroundings as she struggled to her feet. She saw a wide-eyed old man with big, bushy eyebrows clutching a kakara and several strings of prayer beads, accompanied by a young woman adorned in flowing teal robes. They were surrounded by a filthy mash of rotting, animated flesh that Azami instantly recognized as a nupepo. Directly above her glimmered a whirling green portal through which four akonami burst, their entrance reminded her of a diseased boil when it ruptured and discharged its foul contents everywhere. Of Amanjaku and the other demon, there was suddenly no sign. Thinking quickly, Asami fought to harness her magic, and she felt a wave of overwhelming relief as the familiar maw burst from the back of her scalp, gnashing its teeth joyously in anticipation of the coming fight. Her hair drifted upwards again and glowed a deep arcane blue, its almost heavenly radiance defying the pestilential green of the glimmering rift. Asami threw herself forwards towards the Akanami, palms forward, commanding the Kaiman to stop. Yet the insolent creatures paid her no heed. Instead, they clawed at her throat, trying to reach the old man and his accomplice behind her. Asami's confidence died as quickly as it came, and with fearful realization she understood that these beasts were beyond even her control. She needed a new plan. Asami redirected her energy into her locks, which began slithering around her protectively, swatting away any oncoming blows with blinding speed. Encased within an inky blue-black cocoon, she closed her eyes. Just as she had done many times before, Asami called into the beyond, reaching into the perverse hellscape with all her focus, fueled by anger and desperation alike. She had become so adept at it by now that it only took her a second to find what she was looking for. She was like a fisherman who had learned the best waters to cast a line. The moment Asami connected with her quarry, she felt her second mouth stretch into impossible proportions to accommodate a new form as it forced its way through. First to emerge were unnaturally long, dexterous fingers with razor-sharp nails each connected to bony palms and skeletal arms. Quick to follow was an elongated head, its insipid skin stretched tight around its gaunt skull, wholly covering the area where eyes and nose should have been. All that remained was a wicked mouth of blackened teeth, a hundred foully glistening needles planted inside rotting, bleeding gums. Asami snarled with fury and as soon as the Oaguru Batari extracted itself completely from the moist prison of her maw, it made a beeline straight for the Akanami, and began tearing them to shreds with inhuman bloodlust. The Kaiman stood no chance. There was simply no match for the raw ferociousness of the Oaguru Batari's hunger. Thick droplets of demonic ichor misted the air, as the stinking orange monsters met their gory end. The old man and his female attendant finally had a chance to focus on the Nupepo, which had managed to creep up to their waists. They blasted it with wave after wave of magic, assisted by the rapid shredding of the Hoguru Batari's claws, until it shrunk to the size of a puddle, the red veins inside spilt and leaking. The goo began to smoke and then evaporate, 
leaving behind the miscellaneous furniture fragments and trinkets from Asami's chambers that it had absorbed in its vacuous corpse. Asami walked up to the portal, and before any other Kaiman could force their way through, she grasped each side, hands glowing with enchanted power. As if closing the drapes of a window, she felt the satisfying elasticity of the magical tear as she overcame its resistance and forced the opposite ends closer and closer together. When they connected, the gate disappeared like the Kaiman which had crawled through it, leaving no trace that it had ever existed. The onlookers gaped as the Oaguru Batari approached Asami, its teeth glistening with blood, evidently disappointed that there was nothing left to kill. Goodbye, Okasan, said Asami. Until next time. The Oni wrapped its slender fingers around Asami's cheeks with impossible tenderness and brought her forehead close to its own. Their noses would have touched if it had one. Then the being flickered out silently, still caught in a loving embrace until the very end. When Chen's gone, Yanlo said bitterly, as he muttered the incantation for a spell to deodorize and then dry the slime on his and Chiaki's robes. He paused as Azami recovered from her moment of farewell, and cast an astounded glance at him, her eyes wide with a mixture of curiosity and surprise. Chiaki was still staring numbly, as if she couldn't comprehend what had just transpired. You must have questions, Asami began, but I have them too. Are you really Yan Lo? I thought you were just a boogeyman meant to scare insolent children at night, she said apprehensively. Boogeyman? Yan Lo probed sheepishly. It's not just some story, child. It's all true. Tiexin, the Kaiman. I am cursed to wander the path by the very men I once considered friends. The old mage continued to eye her suspiciously. Tell me, is Mizaki aware of your connection with Amunjaku? His voice grew stern. Be honest. Everything depends on it. No, she replied with a shudder, her face in her hands. She doesn't know why I am the way I am. Or what that monster promised me. She just knows what I'm capable of. Her locks began hovering of their own accord again, and the more on the back of her scalp licked its lips. Then you betrayed the Oyabun, interjected Chiaki, uneasily staring at the gigantic, demonic mouth and the thick, wet ropes of ethereal saliva clinging to its fangs. She glared at Yan Lo. She's been a pawn of the Kaiman this whole time. You warned Beijan and he didn't listen. Mizaki, too. She's more like her father than she knows. We should have tried harder. Her right hand tightened instinctively around her flute. This demon spawn is dangerous. Yan Lo shook his head gravely, squinting appraisingly at the young woman from Kamakura. Yes, Aminjaki was an ancient evil. You can see him, said Asami, surprised. Most people can't. But Yan Lo continued speaking as if he hadn't heard her. His vessel shows much promise. The Wraithwalker stroked his beard with one hand and extended the other to Azami, albeit out of curiosity rather than kindness. She took it nonetheless. You fought well, he said genuinely, but without warmth. I couldn't control them, she conceded with a shudder, 
reverting to her usual modesty. Not all of them. Jackson's minions have a will of their own. See, said Chiaki, pointing at Asami, even she admits it. But imagine what she can do with those that she can, Ganlo patiently mused. Did you not just see what she could summon? I may have been too conservative in my original apprehensions. She is not just Kaiman, she is also human, maybe more human than I am. He let go of Asami's hand. You have talent, girl, not to mention a fiery will, but you need training and discipline, and you need complete freedom. It is no coincidence that the path connected us. Asami suddenly turned cold. I don't want your pity, Wraithwalker, she snapped. I can take care of myself. For the briefest of seconds, her eyes flashed red, and her serpentine locks writhed more vigorously. What is it you want, spirit? We are connected by Tiexin, you and I, Yan Lo mused. He is my responsibility by kinship, and yours through Amanjaku. I want closure for the both of us. I do not regret what I did to him. Perhaps all of humanity would have shared his fate if he had opened the gates to beyond. He tapped his kakara on the ground eagerly. I need to finish what I started, and so do you. Chiaki stepped abruptly between the two of them. This is crazy, uncle. She cast a scathing look at Asami and crossed her arms. We just met this woman. You've seen how dangerous she is. Leave her, she suggested. What use is she if she can't control the Kaiman anyway? We must pursue that imp and Wen Shen on our own. Yanlo was about to respond when Asami closed her eyes in concentration. Moments later, the more at the back of her head stretched into horrifying, unnatural proportions as a simian creature with bluish fur forced its way from the churning chaos within. It let out an ape-like howl as it fully came into existence before their eyes. Sharp karma clutched in each of its hands. Dance, said Asami with a curt nod. And suddenly the yokai began hopping from foot to foot, clapping its hands, sickles sheathed. It would have been humorous if the demon wasn't so terrifying. That's a cheap parlor trick, snorted Chiaki. Asami pointed at Chiaki with a quivering finger. Kill, she said coldly. Immediately the yokai roared drew its weapons and rushed straight towards the other woman. Stop, Asami commanded, an instant before one of its sickles pierced Chiaki's chest. I was prepared for that, said Chiaki angrily, her flute between her lips. Asami ignored this. End yourself, she said piteously. The yokai hesitated for the briefest of seconds and looked straight at its mistress, as if hoping it had misheard. Asami nodded and seemingly resigned, the beast plunged both of its blades into itself, before flickering away with a miserable whine. Satisfied? Asami asked, with a pointed glance at Chiaki. The more at the back of her head sealed, and her hair, no longer suspended in midair, returned to its usual position streaming down her shoulders. No, Chiaki said stubbornly, returning her flute to her bag. Yan Lo chuckled. She's got as much spirit as you do, niece. What now then, Chiaki asked, still frowning. We find Avanjaku. The old man glanced at Asami expectantly. 
You're connected, are you not? His eyes narrowed as he peered at the spot on her scalp where the moor had only just moments before protruded. Asami closed her eyes. She reached out toward the flickering yellow lights, just as she did when she was a child, trying to imagine them pulsating behind her eyelids like always. For the first time since Aaron Jackie had possessed her, Asami found nothing. I can reach out to him. It's like he cut himself off. I think he knew that we might use our connection against him, but he's not gone completely. She scratched the back of her head absentmindedly, as if she could feel the more slumbering inside her. I... I still have his gifts. Her eyes flickered red again. If we can't track him, then perhaps he can't track us, said Chiaki, somewhat reassured. We should marshal the charm warders and search the city. Asami shifted guiltily. There's no time. Where would he take the stone? Yanlo probed, saving her from having to respond. This was only the beginning, Asami answered somberly. The imp's plan was to summon Wen Shen to help him open another, bigger portal for Lingzuzi. But there wasn't enough strength for Wen Shen to break through. I don't think he was expecting that. He needs a more substantial power source. What's the most powerful magical place in all of Malifaux? Chiaki shot Yan Lo a worried glance, and their eyes widened in mutual understanding. No, 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 we're not going there. Denise shook her head vehemently. Even I can feel it calling to me, said Yan Lo. If I can sense it, so can Avanjaku, there is no doubt. Asami was nonplussed. What are you both talking about? Chiaki looked down at Asami's flowing purple yukata. I hope you're prepared to get that wet, she said contemptuously, before Yan Lo slammed his kakara into the ground and the trio disappeared in a flash of lightning. When Asami rematerialized, she felt the oppressiveness of the newfound humidity consume her, as if an iron weight had been liquefied around her entire body. Heavy garments sagged from her limbs, like the moss dangling from the surrounding trees, all rotting like carcasses in the heat. They teleported to a dense grove lit only dimly by the moon, whose pale light struggled to shine through the grip of the gnarled foliage. It took Asami a moment to register that she was ankle-deep in a stinking bog. I warned you, grumbled Chiaki with a scowl. She didn't even try and lift up her kimono, but resigned herself to the muck pooling at her feet. Where are we? Asami looked round the dilapidated shacks in the distance, still mystified. Is this the bayou? Obviously, she said with a churlish eye roll. You've never been here, have you? Chiaki realized. Lucky you. She whipped out her flute, played a few carefully chosen notes, and Asami gasped as the water began to part at her feet wherever she stepped. You're welcome. Then he said with a self-satisfied smirk as she pocketed her instrument, without so much as a glance at the swill, magically repulsed by her own heels. It's too quiet, said Yan Lo. His eyes closed and hands outstretched, as though feeling for etheric threads that the others could not recognize. No cicadas, frogs, crickets or mosquitoes. And no gremlins. Look, Jackie hissed. Beyond the clearing... Rising out of the gloom was a towering structure whose viciously sharp flanges sent a shiver down Asami's spine. 
rising from the mire. The edifice looked like the underside of a dying arachnid, flipped on its back, legs curled as it breathed its last. A green light pulsed from within, oozing into the harsh contours of its facade's blackened stone and tempered iron with a flickering, decrepit hue. He's here. You are right, Uncle, concluded Chaki, before turning her focus to Asami. Kythera, the tombstone to a former time. What is this place? Asami probed. Despite the humidity of the swamp, she felt a fell, magical chill in the air. This was a place of great darkness. She sensed the fear, not only her own, but that of all the unfortunate souls who would tread here before them, and the screams. She could hear them, ever so faintly, the final sick paeans of voices long gone, wafting through the hot air like the swirling mists. No time, Yanlo said. Amajaki was already begun the ritual. The mage rushed forward, smacking away branches with his staff and beckoning for the two women to follow him. The marsh waters parted before their feet as they marched closer into Kythera's shadow. After several tense minutes, they reached the foot of one of the structure's talon-like pinnacles. You couldn't have just teleported us to the top, asked Yaki, with an exasperated pant. You know it doesn't work like that, said Yanlo impatiently, before ducking into the inky darkness of the doorway. Asami could not help but smirk as she ascended the spiral staircase after the Wraithwalker, Jackie in hot pursuit. The scene awaiting them at the top wiped the grin clean off her face. Alan Jackie levitated several feet off the stone floor. His malicious eyes screwed up in concentration as he clasped his summoning stone in one hand and his flaying knife in the other. At the bases of Kythera's rising towers, green portals of radiant energy, each just like the one that had appeared in Asami's chambers, pulsated sinisterly, like the refractions within a twirling kaleidoscope. Beams of energy connected the imp's little gem to each of the arcane doorways. Beside Aranjaku, the hazy form of Wen Shen surrounded by a cloud of flies became clearer with every passing moment, drawing sustenance from both the gem and the passages to beyond. The plague-bringer was no longer tied to Aranjaku's stone by magical threads, the lower half of his body had rematerialized in full now, or at least what was left of it. The skin exposed by the tears in his robes was bruised, gangrenous and raw, festering with pus and ichor. Only pure force of will seemed to be holding the muscles and sinew of his legs together. It seemed as if his entire form would collapse in a noxious, fleshy puddle without it. Wen Shen clapped his hands together slowly. I knew I had only bought a little time, the Kaiman gurgled, peering intently at Jaku. The imp seemed ensnared in a trance so deep that he either could not or would not recognize the new arrivals. But it will be enough. You're too late, Yanlo. Jaku will finish the summoning, and with me by his side, Ling Zuzi will claim this world. The Wraithwalker said nothing, and instead slammed his staff into Kythera's cold stone. A wave of magical energy pulsed around them, and the spire began to shake. Asami leapt backward in shock as the ground split and sunk, and from the depths emerged five sets of emaciated fingers, shattered arms and leering skulls, jaws locked forever in silent screams. Within moments the reanimated corpses had formed complete bodies, fists locked and ready to fight. 
The undead warriors rattled and snapped menacingly, hands outstretched, thirsting for vengeance. Chiaki blew a single note from her flute, and immediately their eyes and limbs were lit ablaze with necrotic fire. I see you can teach an old man new tricks when Shen taunted, almost amused. Many have died in this place, Tiexin. You will soon join them, Yanlo hissed. Not today, Yanlo. Not today. The plague only cackled again, and with a snap of his fingers a flood of Kaiman began to pass through the portals from beyond into the confines of reality. Asami's heart leapt in her throat as she realized that Wen Shen's incursion party was massive. First came Simi and Yokai, brandishing their sharpened blades and gnashing their teeth. Close behind were the hulking forms of Obsidian Oni, twirling their polearms in elaborate arcs and beating their chests in anticipation. Other beasts were stranger still. Equine creatures of pale blue with flaming manes, ram-like six-legged hulks with vicious horns, and bat-like pests sprouting leathery mottled wings of rich lavender and mulberry. All of Kythera was engulfed by the hellish menagerie of Kaiman grouding the central dais. Yanlo, Asami, Chiaki, and their reanimated skeletons were hopelessly surrounded. You seem awfully confident, Yanlo, Wen Chen smirked. But then again, I suppose you learned that from me. Uncle, whispered Chiaki with a tremble. We can't win. There are too many. We should return to Misaki and regroup. Yanlo's newly summoned warriors turned their heads from target to target, trying to anticipate the first blow. The undead betrayed no sign of fear, but even they seemed to know that they were dangerously outnumbered. Before Yanlo could answer, a multitude of screams erupted from the back of the crowd. Several of the smaller Oni, especially the yokai, flickered into oblivion. Their forms distorted themselves in the pale moonlight as they blinked back and forth across the inseparable barrier between worlds. Moments later, some of the bigger demons barely had time to contort their obscene visages into expressions of surprise before they, too, disappeared into the night with a pop. Wen Chen's eyes widened in shock as he barked his frustration. Useless, all of you, he shouted, but it was to no avail. Many of the Oni were immaterializing quicker than they could be replaced. Some of the yokai took only a few steps into Malifaux before they, too, flickered out of existence. The ritual isn't complete. The connection to beyond is unstable. There's still time, Yanlo realized, regaining his composure. Asami needed no more encouragement. Harnessing her magic, she felt her locks animate once again as the back of her head split itself in two. She threw herself forward towards the slowly diminishing tide of horrors from beyond, freeing the rage that had been building inside her for so long. With sickening ease, the lustrous tendril swatted aside the savage blows of her opponents. She directed her coils like the conductor of an orchestra, willing them to lash, beat, and block. In the midst of the swirling melee, Asami caught sight of a yokai that had not yet flickered away. Eagerly, she compelled one of her braids to wrap itself around the demon's slender ankles, lifting it from the ground and swinging it towards a cluster of its companions. The captive yokai collided with the glaive of an obsidian oni face first, showering its companions in gore. Stunned, the lumbering demon dropped the weapon and flew backwards, barreling through yet another wave of newcomers. Meanwhile, Yanlo and Chiaki fought their way closer and closer to Wen Shen. 
The skeletons linked together to form a protective wall of bones around the duo, striking out at any cayman daring enough to approach. Jackie blasted several of the smaller demons aside with precise, well-timed magical surges that erupted from her flute. At her side, Yan Lo tapped into Kythera's ancient, cursed reservoir, harnessing the souls of the damned that were trapped there and amalgamating them into barrages of increasing intensity. Spiritual lightning erupted from his staff, with such great force that it blasted apart any Oni unlucky enough to be in its path. After a few more concentrated bursts, both uncle and niece were within ten paces of Wen Shen, although they'd lost three of their summoned servants to the horde of demons. No, Wen Shen shrieked. With astonishing speed, he unsheathed the rusted sword hanging from his frayed belt and swung it ferociously at Yan Lo. One of the remaining skeletons leapt forward to intercept the blow. Its bones instantly decayed at the point of contact, crumbling to dust. You will die. With each ragged word, the Kaiman swung his cleaver in wide, sweeping arcs. Yan Lo was forced to harness his chi and redirect the attacks with magical energy instead of his staff. The Oni's perverse strength was simply too great for its aching physical form. Another savage swipe forced Jackie to roll away, avoiding disembowelment by inches. Her flute had fallen out of her hands, dancing away from her scrambling fingers on the flagstones as if it had a mind of its own. Yan Lo shot a burst of lightning from between his fingers to block yet another bludgeon, but his timing was poor, and the pommel of Wen Chen's blade connected with his side. Searing pain erupted through Yan Lo's body as he fell on hard stone, clasping his ribs. For the briefest moment, selfishness and fear overwhelmed him. He considered forcibly untethering from the mortal plane to cast himself along the path to escape his pain, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. The rotting Kaimon towered over him, raising his blade for a decapitating blow. I've waited centuries for this, he said, licking his rotting lips with a forked tongue. You sent me to hell. It only seems fair that I return the favor. He brought the blade down with all his might. Chiaki screamed. Inches above Yan Lo's neck, Wen Shen's blade crashed against the head of a massive halberd. Bushy eyebrows raised in surprise, Yan Lo looked up to see a lumbering creature, half spider, half man, clutching the polearm that had just barely saved him from death. With unnatural strength, the Jaragumo braced its hind legs against the ground and slowly pried Wen Chen's locked blade upward, giving the mage enough space to slip away. An ardent command pierced the lull. Strike back! It was Asami, her eyes closed and legs folded as though she was meditating. Like Em and Jaku, she too floated above the ground, all her focus and concentration spent on controlling the demon she had just brought forth from her moor. Defend the Wraithwalker! The Jaragumo nodded, blinking its many eyes before levelling its blade towards Wen Shen. Raving that his prize had been denied, the Plagoni roared and initiated a series of brutal two-handed strikes against his new adversary. With Wen Shen distracted, Yan Lo seized his chance. He knew there would not be another. Fighting against the splintering pain in his ribs, the mage harnessed his remaining chi and shot a bolt of magical energy straight at the exposed stone in Aminjaku's hand, drawing upon the soul power of Kythera to amplify his own. When the spell connected, 
The force of the blast shattered the gem to pieces and threw the imp over the edge of the spire and into the marshland below. Wen Chen let out a horrified, demonic howl as he watched his own decrepit form flicker away into nothingness. One by one, the remaining Oni disappeared alongside the portals that had facilitated their crossing. The night grew still, and Yan Lo, Asami, and Chiaki were alone once more, lit only by the ephemeral glow of the fading moon and its court of dying stars. Chiaki stared blankly at the massive Spider-Man that Asami had summoned as it flickered out of existence. The Oni had followed them down from the spire and into the marsh, the injured Yan Lo clinging to its front legs. How... how does that come out of there? she asked, gesticulating at the more protruding from Asami's scalp. None of this makes sense. Asami simply shrugged. Just go with it. I've done it before. Amanjaku lay splayed in the mire, mud covering his snarling features as he beat his fists on the ground like a slighted toddler. Asami's locks had fallen limp at her sides, the ethereal energy dying from her eyes as she strode purposefully toward her betrayer. The summoning stone from beyond was naught but emerald powder coating the imp's taloned fingers. It's over, she said curtly. Yan Lo and Chiaki in tow. The Wraithwalker's kakara was raised and crackling with energy, while Jackie's flute gleamed pristinely from between her pursed lips. The niece's delicate fingers pressed tightly against the keys, ready to send forth a banishing note. Oh, come now, Amanjaku said, his arms raised as if to surrender, while his eyes darted almost imperceptibly to his flaying knife. He looked imploringly at Asami. You and I have been in this position before, haven't we? he said pupils wide. We made a deal last time, and all things considered, it didn't end too badly for you, right? He gave a nervous chuckle. We can make another arrangement. Finish this, barked Yanlo urgently with a nod, well before Asami could answer. His watery eyes narrowed, not with contempt or hatred, but determination. Too many have suffered already. Ling Zuzi must never come this close to Malifaux again. Jackie nodded, and Yan Lo began muttering a fatal incantation. Amanjaku closed his eyes as lightning crackled from between his fingers and the tip of his staff. Wait. Asami's locks came to life once again, and little Oni began to convulse as though caught in a seizure. What's happening? Jackie asked fearfully. I don't know. Asami sunk to her knees, her vision blinded by the whispering yellow lights. Before she could utter another word, Amanjaku's eyes shot open. They were completely glazed over and black as night. His body continued to twitch, as if possessed by a malignant force. The imp began to speak, but the voice was not his own. It was a monstrous guffaw, a laugh that suggested thirst, hunger and domination in every fiery syllable. It was oppressive and consuming, unlike anything she had heard before. Stupid girl. Who are you? Asami cried, but the voice ignored her. Wraith Walker, I speak to you now, Amanjaku roared. Although still stunned, Yan Lo did not quail. You cannot intimidate me. The voice paid him no heed. You changed nothing. 
I am coming to take what is rightfully mine. You are entitled to nothing, demon, he answered defiantly. No, I am entitled to everything. You said it yourself all those years ago. And what is that? As above, so below, all is mine. You lost, demon. I banish you, tell your people, the voice crooned again, drowning him out. Lingzuzi is coming. Before they could say another word, Amanjaku gave a shuddering rasp, and his twitching slowed, and eventually faded away. The voice possessing him was gone. Was that? Chiaki stuttered. Yan Lo nodded gravely, staring down at Amanjaku as its breathing returned to normal. We can't kill him, Hasami said. I want him dead as much as you do, but he's our only connection to Lingzuzi. The Great One will try and contact us again through him, I'm sure of it. Malifaux was too tempting a prize. In snuffing out his life, we blind ourselves. I agree, said Yanlo bitterly. But it is not Malifaux I am worried about. He said, tell your people. The Kaiman are coming for Earth first. Soon. We may already be out of time. I will inform the Oyabun, Chiaki decided. We should start marshalling our defences Earthside and leveraging our contacts among the Three Kingdoms. It is not too late. The mage said nothing. Uncle, are you listening to me? Uncle! Again, Yan Lo didn't answer. He simply found a tree stump protruding from the frothing shallows and sat beneath the stars, the water soaking his monk's robes far past the ankles. With inexplicable dread, he stared up at the heavens and placed his hands in his lap, hoping, praying, for the path to guide him against the inevitable storm. At last he looked imploringly at Asami. You and me. Together. Asami nodded gravely. Both knew that from this tempest there would be no shelter. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.